So who read the Tozer book, the second chapter? Ah, nice. Very nice. That's good. I guess that's why we have the book, so that we can be read. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So we're going to talk about not only this attribute of God that is in the second chapter of Tozer's book, but Mike told me that as he was preparing for this evening, that in researching in his Bible, he could not find the word transcendence. <laughs> Besides the fact that he didn't know how to spell it. Why do we seek out the attributes, the nature, or the character of God? Why do we do that? So we have a better relationship with with God. Ernie. Ernie. To know him better. To know him better. Now that's a loaded question because we're here and this is a room filled with believers. Now transport yourself if you can remember this far back to when you weren't a believer or just think about those that aren't. Why would they want, they being a non-believer, want to seek and know who God is? To find the truth. To find the truth. Seeking the truth. I think they know there is a God, but they don't know Him. Ah. They think that there is a God, but they don't know Him. Personally. Perhaps know of Him. But not know him. If they really wanted to know him, they would seek him out. And if they wanted to know him, they would seek him out. Isn't it interesting that in at some point in time, when we speak to people that are seekers, they're seeking what? We say we use that term seekers, and then we put Christ. But what are they really seeking? Why are we here? Meaning, what's the meaning of my life? What am I doing here? Why am I here? And then just as importantly, where am I going? Where am I going? And it's interesting that both inside and outside the church, those are pretty important questions, aren't they? Pretty important questions. So those why questions, I think, are really a driver for us even to seek God more deeply. And so, uh, in that regard, last week, Marvin, Marvin did this to me. He gave me this little, this little pamphlet written by a fellow that you know. And, and it was really interesting because this seeking the attributes of God, who he is, who is God? Because we sit in this room tonight and we think we know God. But do we know God? Bob is shaking his head no. And I think that's the right answer. Do we know God? Clearly each of us knows of God. And clearly each of us knows God in some way. And yet he seeks after us. And he is seeking us, isn't he? And wants us to seek him. So, uh, and especially when we're desperate. 
You ever notice that? People that are desperate are really trying to seek those why questions. Why am I here? Who am I? Is there a God? And for us Christians, why God is this happening to me? Where are you, God? I'm reminded that at the men's retreat, um, there were there were a couple of guys that that I think maybe even for the first time went out on the balcony. And and I think we have to learn how to do this sometimes. I've heard of some people doing it out on a mountaintop. But out on a balcony for all to hear, there were a couple of guys that just screamed out, God! Where are you, God? Just belting it out. I want to know you deeper, Lord. And I couldn't help but think, oh, how pleased God is to be seeking him at that level. So when Marvin gave me this little booklet, this this pursuit really of the living God, I thought that I might just paraphrase it a little bit for you as we start tonight. In this book, the author, and who is this author, Marvin? David Morrissey, the Hebrew and Greek scholar. A Hebrew Greek scholar that lived someplace where you were yeah, you were he actually he studying under the land, I, and he was uh, he taught Greek and Hebrew at, at the Fuller Seminary for wow. five years. Taught Hebrew and Greek. I like him already. <laughs> <laughs> but he's saying in this pursuit, he says, "Now check this out, because I think this is a good tone setter for where we're going to go in these these seven scriptures that we're going to dive into tonight to." to talk about um, this transcendent God. He says this, the pursuit of God is not a subject for the casual, what should we talk about next social crowd? <laughs> Do you kind of get that just as you're reading Tozer's book? It's not just for the what do you think might happen next social crowd. It does not yield before a flippant inquiry or casual discussion. Usually the truth of God, or usually the truth of who God is, comes from either the trials and tribulations of our life, or from those who just decide to seek Him for who He is. And for those who, try, who are seeking Him, God has a promise. Your first scripture reference, Jeremiah 29.13. Return there if you would like to. Jeremiah 29.13 God has this promise. And it's a promise for every one of us sitting in this room tonight. And the first person that gets to Jeremiah 29.13 and read it. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me screaming out on the balcony going out to Lake Casitas, sitting in this, this building um, in the quietness even of your own heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a promise of God told us by Jeremiah. It says, we, we must come to grips with the God of the Bible. There is so much careless thinking about Him, so much trivia, so much misconception that He is often reduced to a handyman that we call on to fix our problems. 
Morrissey says, often for the Christian, the misconception of God's nature, his attributes, leads to the absurd notion that if we have enough faith, our life will be a void of all adversity, which leads us to putting God in that box so that he only comes out when we need him. God is worthy, is worthy of our full attention. He is our life. I would submit to you we're here as we're seeking God on a deeper level because of that truth. God is our life. If we let Him. He is our life. However, if our attitude is casual, our reverence for Him somehow flippant, our maturity in Christ is clearly hindered. Amen? Morrissey then says, we will never get to know God as long as we are imposing on Him our own image of what He ought to be like. Question. How many have done that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think that in our casualness, and sometimes the casualness is not even a bad thing, but oftentimes we're casual enough with God that we project onto Him just what we want Him to be or what we think He ought to be, or that's the box I think that Morrissey is talking about. We just put Him in that box and it's a nice, neat, clean little package. And yet as we're looking at these attributes, these ten attributes of God over these, over these ten summer, summer nights, we're finding out, oh, this is not a flippant thing. It can be a joyful thing. It doesn't have to be a somber thing. But it's a serious thing. Who is God? And what do we do with it when we find out really who He is? Does that matter? Does it matter who He is? And then what do we do with that? See, the God of all creation promises that if we seek Him with all of our heart, what will happen? Isn't that awesome? It's a simple promise. If we seek Him, which I think is why we're here, I'm pretty confident of that. If we seek Him, we're going to find Him. And how does that happen? How, as we seek Him with all of our heart, how can we find Him? He finds us. Okay, He finds us. He's always with us. Okay, but we're seeking Him now, Doris, and as we seek Him, He says that if we seek Him with all of our heart, we will find Him. How? We're going to learn about His attributes. Is that enough? Mark? We're going to find Him in our circumstances, in our relationships, in our day-to-day activities. He'll be there in the midst of our day-to-day life. Transcendence. The God of all creation transcends everything. He is in everything. He is always with us. And yet, do we seek Him? Most of the time, though. Only when we're in trouble. 
most of the time we don't only know we're in trouble. I think that that's what Marcy was talking about. And yet, and yet the Christian life is really about living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. God with us, in us. Totally transcendent. So what does that mean? It's interesting because Tozer said in his book, God is pleased with our attempts to speak about Him. And I would add to what Tozer said, God is pleased with our attempts to seek Him, even as crude as they may be. Because who in this room knows how to seek God perfectly well? Who in this world? Who in this world? Whoever. None. And yet, isn't it fascinating that God wants us to seek Him with our whole heart? He's just telling us, hey guys, why don't you just go ahead and have an all-in moment? And then let that be every moment. So what is transcendence? You couldn't find it in the Bible. Anybody try to figure out how to define it? Your wife did. Not that there's a competition here. Susan, what is transcendence? To rise above. Anybody want to add anything to that? To exist above and independent. I thought you said you didn't have your computer and you couldn't get on thatquestions.org. Oh, no, I got the dictionary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 1957. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at a biblical definition to rise above. Okay. What else besides above? might we use to define biblically this word transcendence? Big word. To rise above or to be above. And what else? Gain knowledge. Gain knowledge. Okay, to gain knowledge. But that's what we're doing is we're seeking Him. But by definition, transcendence is to be above. Who are you talking about? Who are you talking about? God. Well, then he's above all. He's above all. Are you satisfied with that biblical definition of transcendence? To be above? That doesn't mean distance. Okay, doesn't mean distance. We'll look at that. Exalted. Uh, exalted. We can't begin to understand him because his ways are wider than our ways. Oh, there's that Isaiah. There's that Isaiah passage that Olivia likes so much. Well, he's holy. Well, and he's holy. Let's let's look at the 1957 Webster's because you know Irving that I had to bring that out. I know you did. And for those of you that don't know, I like the 1957 Webster's because that's when words meant something because they've changed so much since 1957. <coughs> and besides, 57 Chevys are cool too. Anyway, 1957 Webster's. Defines the word trans, uh, transcendence this way. Surpassing. Would you agree, those of you that have read ahead a little bit, that that is a good word in definition for transcend, transcendence? To rise above and surpassing? Then exceeding usual limits. And then finally, in the 1957 Webster's, being beyond the limits of all possible experience and knowledge. 
I challenge you to find that definition in the 2014 Webster's because it won't be there. Being beyond the limits of all possible experience and knowledge. And so this biblical definition of transcendence as we're going to study it in the scriptures tonight is really to be above and beyond without any limits. And so let's see what if the Bible proves that up. Because it's meaningless unless the Bible proves it up, right? By the way, what does it mean then that God is transcendent? Because we're talking about this attribute of God. We're talking about this is a character trait of God, right? He's transcendent. And we say that that means, biblically, at least first, and we'll prove this up, maybe, that it is to be above or beyond. What does it mean to be above or beyond? Okay. Oh, let me ask you this. Above or beyond what? Everything? Is that what you said, Ernie? Agreed? Okay, above and beyond everything. That's interesting. What is everything? Everything. <laughs> uh, 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 in the Greek? Uh, everything. Okay. Ernie looked it up in the Greek, and in the Greek, everything is everything. Yeah, so I think, that, but it's important to wrap some definition around what everything is as we're talking about this transcendent God. Because if he is above, and you said that that has nothing to do with distance, we'll look at that in a minute. Could that be above understanding? Oh, that's an excellent question. Sally asked a question. Could that be above understanding? Linda's doing this. Could that be above understanding? Yes. Tozer says his uncreated being is so far above us that no thought can conceive it, no words express it. Absolutely. And did, would you agree with Tozer that, that we can't? It's very difficult for us to imagine or conceive of this aboveness and beyondness of God. So let's break it down into two categories, shall we? Because last week we were looking at the self existence of God, and so we have. A God that is self-existent. Because there's the creator and the created. What is created? Everything. Everything is created. By whom? By God. And as we look at the first attribute of God last week, his self-existence, God was not created. And yet we can't explain. Nor can we comprehend. Let's try to comprehend then transcendence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. This should be a snap. No? Yeah. <laughs> no? How do you comprehend something that's there wherever but is everywhere? Well, sound. Yeah, how do you? A couple of notes. When we talk about all things, I think you're right. We think about things in terms of things, don't we? I can touch and feel and smell things. But what are some other things that God transcends? We've mentioned it already. What? The universe. What else? Everything that's created. Everything that's created. Yeah. Including our understanding, our intelligence. 
<laughs> so it's fascinating. So is that a contradiction then? We're looking into these attributes of God and yet we see the transcendence is by definition this God that we worship, this God that created everything is transcendent, meaning that he is above and beyond everything, including our comprehension, our understanding, our intelligence, our imagination, and everything that was created. Well, shouldn't we just go home? <laughs> Because if we can't, if we can't comprehend it, what's the point? <laughs> Pardon me? Oh, that's where faith comes in. Well, we can comprehend it to a degree, but not in its totality. So, the response by Doris is is that we can, re- we can comprehend this to some degree, but not in its totality. Awesome. What is the word that we generally use, that churchy word that we generally use, for the path that we're all on in this area of understanding things like God's transcendence? Everybody in this room is probably in a slightly different place in terms of our maturity level, our understanding, where God has us at this very moment, and yet by His grace and His love and His mercy, here we are, seeking Him out, which pleases Him no end. Awesome. Let's look at the Scriptures. Did you read the Scriptures in Tozer's, in Tozer's book, the first the first part of that chapter, whatever page it's on, he, he had six scriptures. And because I couldn't stand it, I had to add a couple extras. But let's take a look at these scriptures and let's dive into God's word and let's do it on the basis of taking a look at each, at this attribute of God, this transcendence of God. And let's look at the key, we'll take them one at a time, and let's look at the key words or the key phrases and let's look at how they speak to God's nature, and then let's ask ourselves some questions. The questions will come in a moment. Let's turn to First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Where do you see God's transcendence in that scripture in First Chronicles? <coughs> exalted above all. Exalted above all. We just can we just sing a song with that? Yeah. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> it was Robert that picked those songs. Exalted. And what does that mean? God being exalted. I love that. Upness. Beyondness. Aboveness. Exaltedness. Yeah, that... And what other key words are, are here that speak to God's transcendence? Splendor, greatness, power, glory, majesty. All key words. We see this and I sometimes wonder, when I, I don't know about you, when I read scripture. So I, I read these scriptures because Tozer, 
identify these scriptures, uh, you know, and there's a great lesson in here. And I read this first one because I'm thinking about the transcendence of God, which I, I understand about this much. And, and I'm, I'm looking at these words, and they jump out right off the page. Right off the page. His exaltedness, his headness over all in splendor and majesty. Is that awesome? So as we see his transcendence there in that scripture, can you describe or explain how you understand those terms that relate to his transcendence? And Because we're, we've already decided that these are biblical truths, right? Alright. So how do you explain that? Because I appreciate it. Bob says that that exalted, absolutely transcendent. The word that we can't find in the Bible, Mike. And there it is. God transcends all. He is exalted. His splendor, His greatness, His majesty, His glory. How do you relate to that? How do you relate to that? Worship. Worship. Does it change your worship? It should. It should. <laughs> That's a good question. It should, but does it? How? How can it change the way you worship or the way you even view worship or the way you pursue worship when you see this scripture talking about the transcendence of God? It helps us how? Oh, humility. How, how are we humbled by this passage talking about God's attribute, His character of transcending all things? There are that we do not possess. Do we possess some things that God does? Yeah. Is transcendence one of them? No. Interesting. Let's turn to Job. Job 11.7. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? And eight. They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? What's the key word in this passage in Job that's talking about the transcendence of God? Our limited knowledge. Limited. Boy, and we are limited, aren't we? He says, can you probe... This is Job speaking. What's the context of... First of all, what's the context of, of, of the book of Job? Generally. Suffering. Suffering. <laughs> and here's Job... And, and he says, can you fathom? This is a question, by the way. No, I'm posing the question. No, not Joe. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Linda, can you fathom that? No. No. Can you? Do, do you? We can't even fathom the mysteries of God. 
That's a, expand on that a little bit, Steve, because that's a that's a really important point. I mean, Steve says we can't even fathom the mysteries of the ocean, and what is the ocean? You said that because you're a boat guy, huh? No. Oh. They say we have we've gone further in space than we can in the ocean. And we know nothing about space. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob said, Bob was talking about limits. Okay? How limited are we in, 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 in pursuing this attribute of God, this trans, his transcendency, his, his aboveness and beyond usness? I don't know if those are words, but I'm going to use them. I look at this. And this is a needle to really point out to us we don't have the capacity to understand or to encompass what God really means or is. Amen. And right here, and Job, he's talking about the limitlessness of God, and we are limited. And then he goes on further to say, and they are higher than the heavens above. And, Steve-O, you'd say, and we can't even figure out space. Well, of course we can't. We have the Hubble telescope, and how high are the heavens? <laughs> We're not sure yet. Okay. And, well, then, then how deep are the depths? Yes, we did study that. So we have this idea that as as the created, we are sitting here in this room and we're we're trying to wrap some some relative meaning around this God that has no limits. And yet we're so limited. I mean, incredibly limited, aren't we? Job twenty six fourteen. Now, before somebody reads twenty six fourteen, I would like somebody else to go a little bit prior to twenty six fourteen. And scan a little bit for the context. But before you do that, somebody read Job 26.14. Indeed, these are the glimpses of his ways. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his might? And these are but, and the NIV says, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. If you look a little bit prior to that verse 14, what are the works that are being talked about here? Just summarize some words. Throw out some words looking at verses 7 perhaps. In fact, somebody read 24-7. Verse 7. What does he do with the earth, Mark? He suspends it over nothing. 
God suspends the earth over nothing. He's limitless, transcendent, and He suspends the earth over nothing. And these are but the outer fringe. Don't you love the, the, the writer here? He suspends the earth. Now, Brenda, can you explain that to me? <laughs> I... I learned gravity. You know, you ever drop the apple when you were, you know, second grade or whenever they teach us that, you know? And so we learned about that, and yet God suspends the earth, and then in Job it says, but these are the outer fringes of his works. Above all, beyond all. Psalm 145 3. I'd like you to pick out the one word in this verse that grabs you relative to, to this attribute of God, His transcendence. One forty-five-three. Excuse me. Well, read it. Yes. Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. I want you to think about transcendence. What's the definition of transcendence? Biblical definition. Susan. Right above. To be above or beyond. What's the word in Psalm 145 that most grabs you that relates to God's transcendence? You can't serve. No one can Okay. Oh, it's okay. You can blur it out. You can't search it. You can't. Unsearchable. Unsearchable. Okay. I think for Steve, you have to use the word fountain. So we get to yeah, see exactly. Okay, because he's a he's a boat guy. Okay. What other word? Well, it's, it's, it's really, the unsearchable is tied to greatness. Greatness. Greatness is unsearchable. Greatness is unsearchable. <laughs> Worthiness. Greatness. These things are, they transcend anything that we can completely comprehend. Amen? This is, I, I love that Tozer picked these scriptures. You know, there's hundreds of others. You know, the Bible is filled with scriptures that talk about who God is. And therein lies the challenge that I have for you. Starting tonight, when you start reading Scripture, no matter what you're, if you have a devotional or a reading plan or whatever you're doing, do it through the lens of the attributes of God as we're learning them and we're digging deeper into who He is, what He's like, and how we relate to that. Thank you for that because greatness and worthiness and who can fathom, of course we can't fathom His greatness. Who can understand God who can suspend the earth? Who can understand a God that creates the heavens? That's the universe that goes beyond anything that anybody even knows about. It's infinite. Who can fathom infinite? Do you ever want to test yourself? Just uh, watch a child and try to figure out what that child thinks. Now, there's only one person that knows what you're thinking. It's your wife. 
Now, we don't have to turn there, just in the interest of time tonight, but are you getting the sense of really the, the bigness, the greatness, the unfathomability of God? That was too many syllables in that. Are you, are you getting the gist of that? That it's okay that we can't comprehend that, and yet it's... What God wants us to do is to seek Him with our whole heart and to talk about these things. I love Isaiah 55. It's one of my favorites too. One of my favorite chapters in Isaiah. Oh, the Lord's thoughts are just not ours. And His ways are just not our ways. And yet that is so refreshing, isn't it? Bill, I have in my Bible here that uh, there was a sermon that Pastor Richie did in uh, 2014. Those two, my thoughts, are my thoughts. You yeah. still have notes from a Pastor Richie sermon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty beautiful. Right? <laughs> yeah, and now we're talking about this again. So the Lord brought it around again. So let's go back to that biblical definition of transcendence above all things. You have your Tozer books? Can you bring them with you? Turn to page 35. And if you don't have if you don't have the Tozer book, that's okay. Turn to page 35. Well, when he was talking about knowing the depth of the ocean and all that stuff, my son, who was here. Sunday with us in the other church service, and some of you have met. It's going to be 50 in November. He cannot read and he cannot write. He was so excited last night because someone that he's been in contact with has been watching the telescope. And there was, look out over there. I mean, he dragged me out of the house to go see this Mercury and Pluto, I think it was. Yes. You know, yeah, Venus, whatever it was. And then he said, and if you look back here, there's a full moon, Mom. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fathomless of God. You know, who would show that? And yet you're this young man who's just blown away by that. It's the only time in your lifetime, probably, I think he said, if you'd be able to see those two planets out there. A line. A line. Yeah. Amazing. God speaks. Yes. God speaks. <laughs> So in thinking about this definition of transcendence, which is what? Which is what? To rise above. To rise above. To be above all things. To be beyond. If you look at what Tozer writes on page 35, second to the last paragraph about the middle, it says, he says, God never thinks about the size of anything. Because God contains everything. <laughs> Comments? You cannot understand. <laughs> <coughs> Are you 
as big as he wants to make it. <laughs> well, that's a good way to put it. It's as big as he wants to make it. Tozer then goes on to say, he never thinks about distance. Because God is everywhere. He transcends distance. Interesting. The scripture also says that in him we live and move and have our being. We what? In him we live and move and have our being. I don't know if this word is said. You've read it. <laughs> there are something that tells me you've read it more than once. Let me ask you this. God is transcendent above all things, beyond all things, limitless, unmeasurable, unfathomable in all things. <coughs> what matters to God? That's a good answer, Ernie. What, will you say that loudly? What matters to God? Us. Us. Okay. Tozer wrote a story. He wrote a story about... Anybody remember it? About the little girl going out on the picnic? Can anybody remember that well enough to kind of paraphrase it? Just to, to give us an idea of what your thought was about this little girl that got lost? It's like comparing the child and the value of the child to the mountain that was she was surrounded by and that the value of the child was far more than the potential monetary values that could come out of the mountain, whether it be lumber, minerals, etc. Wow. It was it's an awesome story. I read that and I was just thinking, you know, in God's eyes there's this little child that goes that wanders off and gets lost and, and yet the whole world nobody in the world knew that that little child got lost except those people that were right there. But God knew and what mattered to God? That little child, and why? Why did why why did Tozer say that 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 mattered, and that 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 the matter of that mountain, all the minerals that God created that mountain, He created everything, but but He looked at this child, and this child mattered. But what what, what was He what was He trying to? What was the message that he was trying to relay, the comparison between the child and the mountain? The child had a heart and a soul. The child had the heart. The child had a soul. The child had value. <coughs> the child had value. He said that, that very few people knew that this little girl was lost, but you see, he, what did God see? He saw that heart. Because what matters to God is us. And here we are. We're seeking God, hopefully with all of our heart. What matters to God? Our heart. What does He care about? That's what He cares about. He doesn't care where you live. Or what kind of car you drive. Or what He doesn't care about that. He wants our heart. Is there any kind of a contradiction? In what we see in this story with this little child and, and God seeking after this little child's heart, seeing this God, this 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 
this child as a as 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 a child and as a as a as a soul as a as a as a heart and yet contrasting that to the rest of his creation. <coughs> Jeremiah says that you know if we if we seek him, God has a promise for us, right? And the promise is what? Okay. That we'll find it. So, so here's God in his vastness. Here's God in his aboveness. Here's God in his separatedness. Hey, is God beyond you? Kathy Bonicone, is God beyond you? <laughs> Well, the definition of transcendent is above and beyond. By definition, is God above and beyond us? So in his, in his separateness then from us, in relation to this little girl that's lost in the mountain, and he cares about the value, there's tremendous value here, and yet he's separate. He's beyond. He's above. In the vastness of his creation that we can't even grasp. He's above us. But he created man to be in relationship with him, and he cares about that relationship. He cares about the relationship, and I and and I think we I think we understand that it's all about relationship clearly. And yet he is above and he is beyond and he is vast and he is separate. He's separated. Is there a contradiction? I don't think it's a contradiction. Because Why? Because you have to take the other attributes of God. Love and okay. omnipresent, which means he's also near to you. Okay. He has other attributes, but we're talking about this one attribute. He transcends everything. He's beyond Kathy and y'all. He's above it all. In the vastness of everything that he's created, and yet Tozer writes a story about this little girl that's lost that God so desperately values. Well, How can... Okay. It really struck me because all within the next six or seven days I have a two-year-old great-granddaughter who's going to be staying at my house, and I thought about that as I was reading it, and then he cared for this little. That's the one that's named just like Olivia. <laughs> but we got to deal with this. we got to deal with this God that transcends everything, and yet there's relationship, because we know of that through the whole Council of God. And as we seek Him, we have to realize that it's a quest. Okay. And the end of our quest is to be with Him. We have to seek him and we have to know him to know to get there. Okay. Well, do you think that old Moses was on the mountain and talking to God and when he came down from the mountain that he knew who God was? Do, do, do I think that Moses knew who God was? When he came down. And he didn't understand how God after that. No. <laughs> That's the point of my question. The point of my question is, how are we to have relationship with with 
with the God of all creation, how are we to have this relationship? What's, how does that manifest with this God that transcends everything? Everything he transcends. Through the Holy Spirit. Now you're getting to the gospel. Yes, see, faith helps us in our quest to seek God and understand each of the attributes of who He is, His character, His qualities. Because it's the quality that matters. It's the quality of who he is and biblically who we are. Because that's what he's seeking after. The quality of who we are. Why does God see us the way he does? Now we know that we know the church answer. How does God see us as believers? Through Christ. Through, Christ, through the righteousness of Christ. We get that. Praise God for that. <laughs> Praise God for that because we're unworthy. And yet, God created us. And I think it was you, Marvin, that said earlier that God is seeking us. Amen? God is seeking us. And we're seeing here now that, that God, through Jeremiah, the prophet, says that if we seek Him, we'll find Him. I don't get it. I'm going home. What? Excuse me. What did you say about something about in us? Doris, are you finishing what Lynette was trying to say? Okay, so by faith in Christ, so now all of a sudden we have this salvation issue. Now wait a minute, this is important because we're talking about the transcendency of God here. This is the God that is above and is beyond and is incomprehensible and unfathomable. I can't say that word. And he and so and, and this is this is the bigness, the vastness of God that wants to be in relationship with us through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you said that God is in us. Does that then take care of the contradiction that God is so far from us and yet he's so close to us because he's in us? Or is that still a contradiction? How can God be in you, Robert, and yet so beyond you in his transcendency? How is that? How is that possible? Yeah, because he had no beginning, he had no end, he self-exists, he's the only thing that's not created, he is transcendent, he is far above us, he is beyond anything that we can comprehend, he is triune, oh, I mean, holy cow! 
What? And yet he's not out of reach for us to cry out to. And yet he's not out of reach. Far away and close. Well, he's, he's <laughs> Linda Wilson. Yeah, I believe it. But can you explain that? Can you explain it? Linda, can you explain it? No. No. But he is all that. He is all that. Isn't that awesome? See, we get all caught up, and I, I, I love this because, Wes, is, is the book hard for you to read? Uh, yes. <laughs> I I'd like to speak for Wes. <laughs> I'm his attorney. I okay. The uh, last time it was brought out that it was tough for him to read, and you. Yeah. He, but you know what Wes did this week? Tell me. He liked two so well, and he's also read three already. Sorry. <laughs> Here we are in this seeking mode. You know, we're seeking with our heart this God, this God of all creation. I mean, it's, I think, you guys, I mean, I'm blown away. Here we are, we're, because we're sitting here. The supernaturalness of what goes on in this place, in this moment, right now, and the, and the six days preceding this, as we have made decisions to try to seek God that, is un, that we can't fathom, that is bigger than anything we can imagine, beyond anything that we can imagine, and yet is close. Why is that such a problem? Oh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. He's omnipotent, and so he can be far away and close and put out a, a little finger for each one of us because he's so great that he even counts the hairs on your head. You get it. Yeah. That's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier for some than others. Does that change the way you view God, knowing that that is who He is? Does it? It's awe-inspiring. Okay, follow that up. Beyond awe-inspiring, I mean, my gosh, are you kidding me? How, it, it's, it's at least awe-inspiring, isn't it? It just makes you so excited inside that you can actually know this God that's so beyond us. It just goes, and, and it really energizes you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, we got to... How do we explain to someone that don't know God all this information that we have learned. About. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not going to get it. Yeah. How can you explain that? <laughs> you already know the answer to that question. We're sitting in the room and we can't explain it. And we believe it to the core of our being. And we're excited about it, aren't we? We're lifted up by it. It's not, it's not overwhelming, except it's overwhelming. <laughs> it's a great a great relief. Can I? That we can't know it. And now we know that we can't. <laughs> relieved. <laughs> and, yet we, and yet we want to. And yet we pursue God. We're relieved that we, we don't have to know. By faith, we can walk with this God of all creation and we don't 
have to know it all. And boy, I'll tell you what, isn't that refreshing as we pursue Him? I, I wanna, I'd like to do something, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that I, I didn't. Mark, do you mind, would you read something? Would you go to page 42? Page 42. And you can follow along. I would like you to follow along. Because I want you to see through the lens of somebody that is looking at A.W. Tozer. This guy's kind of a deep thinker, but he's straightforward. He's a pretty straightforward guy. And I want you to see him give a testimony. And I'm going to have Mark read as loudly as you can, Mark, the, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, second to the last paragraph that starts with, I live for that day. Just read that paragraph and listen to Tozer speak. I live for that day when God will crash in upon me past my human understandings and every defense I might have put up. That can also happen right now in this world. That's partly what conversion is. To be saved, to repent, to be forgiven of your sin, to see a vision of God in your heart, to see Jesus Christ on his cross and on his throne, to be brought into the presence of this holy God. Where do you see Tozer as he starts out this this testimony as I see it, that he's living for this day. That what? What's he living for? For God to crash in upon him past what? Where do you suppose he is in his seeking to know God? He's on his face. That's a great place to be, isn't it? He hadn't thought about it exactly like that, but oh, this is a guy who, this is what he spends his time on. He is, he is God-centered. This is a man that is seeking God always. This is a man who, who is a pastor's pastor. This is a man that's working out his salvation. This is a man that takes it serious. And he's, I think you're right. I think he's on his face. Do you find that when you're reading Tozer, these first couple of chapters, or if you've cheated like West into the third one, <laughs> Do you find him positive, negative, uplifting? What, what's your sense of Tozer? Because he's just writing. You think he's confused or you're confused? He's confused. So he's no closer, so you think he's confused. Okay. So is he... As you read him, as Mark, as you see him here on his face, waiting for the day, he's living for the day, that goes, that God would just, he's having a mountaintop experience here. He's crying out to God without understanding, without human understanding, and yet what's his desire? 
God, beyond my human understanding. I mean, he's crying out here. Look at him. Yeah, he feels very inadequate. Do you? Do I? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was speaking for him, but I'll speak for myself. <laughs> yeah, I think he does feel inadequate. I think he's living for that day. I think he's doing everything. Not in his power. I think he's seeking God through a, through the power of the Spirit. I think he's I think he's I think this is a man that's living in the Spirit and he's desiring to be in relationship with the God that is transcending everything. Wow. Do we see God like that? Whew. Because I'll tell you what, he had to get up and go to work in the morning. <coughs> and he probably had a car payment. And he was a pastor, so he probably didn't have very much money. Because <laughs> none of them do. Because that's not what they're doing it for. Wow. Does understanding God's attributes or his self-existence for a matter for, for that matter his transcendency or his self-existence does that matter why doing the church thing reciting all the right verses reading all the right chapters getting all the stuff and you never really know God and you really never know God yeah it matters doesn't it I love what he says next. If you if you if you read this this whole chapter and he and he talks about after living for that day, man, I see the passion of this guy. I, I like the passion. I mean, he's just him, and I'm just me, and you're just you. But I see I see his passion as he's writing here, and I see him as Mark said. I see him on his face. I see him. I mean, this is serious. I mean, this guy is serious. <laughs> I mean, those are serious. <laughs> I got like several of of his books. This guy is serious, and 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 I think that he's trying to help us be serious too, but not serious in a somber kind of a way, like you, Robert. I think it's serious in an excited kind of a way. Wow! I want to live that way. As I see God, I want to live that way. You know, man, let's pray like that too, shall we? God, help me live that way. And then he and then he talks about this the, the dread of God and I, I love what happens next. He says, Man, listen to his heart. I'd rather preach above a barber shop to twenty five folks that are in it for the long haul than a whole big church of people that are in it for the potluck. Oh, that's my paraphrase. But I mean you know what I mean? And when I read that when I read that, I didn't have the slightest idea that we were going to have a boatload of people that were here. And as I read it again this week and was preparing this week, I'm going, whoa! That's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. I mean, we're in. We're trying to seek God. It's exciting. And it's difficult, too, sometimes, isn't it, Wes? It is. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. Who can figure it out? But who wants to figure it out? See, that's where Tozer is. Man, I'm living for that day. 
And the day comes, by the way. For those of us that have, have studied the end times and, and heaven and that new heaven and the new earth and, and where God is going to come and live. What? He says he's going to live with us? This is the God that those are seeking and so are we. Whoa. In the meantime, in the meantime, after 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 Tozer says that he's that he's talking about these twenty five people that he'd rather preach to the twenty oh, he's serious. <laughs> you know, this is an all in guy. And he'd rather preach to those twenty five than to in, than to some big church and then and, and then he says later on, what what else does he say? He says, Man back to the twenty five people again. I'd rather have a church of 25 people than 2,500 that are just simply there religiously social. You don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to hear the truth. And therein lies the opportunity as we understand, as we understand who, who God is. Just a little bit more. Nobody's leaving here tonight without having a little better understanding of this one attribute of God that is unfathomable. I'll say it again. But it, it's unsearchable, and yet here we are searching. It's unknowable, and yet we want to know. And yet God will give us, if we ask, that little piece of himself. If we ask. Because how much does of, of himself does he want to give us? See, it's reciprocal. God not only wants to give us all of himself, and he has, he wants us to reciprocate by saying, I live for that day. As I understand, Lord, who you are. Because it matters. See, I think Tozer is is trying to communicate to us through the scriptures. As a student of God's word, just a man, just a preacher, but a good communicator and a deep thinker. And he challenges us with his thinking to get into the scriptures and then ask the question, God, who are you? And how do I relate to that? And then what do I do with it? Because he just wants us to do something with it. So I suggest this. I suggest that we take the bigness of this God that transcends, that transcends everything that we can... We, it goes beyond anything that we can imagine. And by faith, we just accept that because we do, don't we? By faith, we just accept that, that we thank Him, and that we just decide that that is going to give us the freedom in Christ to remove all the shackles and all of the things that we have put, frankly, on ourselves, thinking that we've got to have it all together and we've got to know it all. Because we don't. Because we can't. Because God said so. And then as He reveals Himself to us, a little at a time. Because why? We seek after Him. We have to seek Him. And as we do, more and more freedom. 
I would suggest that that's not a somber thing at all. It's a reverence thing. Olivia, you've nailed it. It is a reverence for God that we must have. And we can be reverent joyfully on our face. Because we've said this many times. I'm, I'm, heard, I'm sure you've heard it before. It's a hypothetical. Nobody knows exactly how they would act. But if God walks through the door, the crazy thing is he's here. But if he walked through the door, we would all be on our face. Amen? We would all be on our face. What else could we do? We, we're nothing. What else could we do? We'd be on our face. See, to me, that's reverence. There is. I, I am a little somber about that. I take that very seriously. And yet it brings me, I don't know about you, so much joy. And I think that we see in this attribute of God that God is God. And we're not. And that's a huge, huge relief for me. I hope it is for you. I, share something? Please. While we're talking about transcendency, <clears throat> I was thinking of the, the uh, world around us who, of course, doesn't accept the Bible or know God. And much as we would see life in all of its forms, a flower or an animal or a tree or whatever, we would see that. And there comes a place in all those things that we see a trans... Uh, what's the word? Transcendent. Transcendency. The transcendency of the complete... We don't, we don't even understand that. We can see it. And today, now that we can look into the microscope or and just see things so well in genetics and everything, but the scientific world does not acknowledge the transcendency of what they see and that there's a God behind it who they should seek but they fashion their own and their minds are blinded to make their own paradigm on how things work that can be demonstrated they say through the evidence it's not the evidence it's what they conceive of what the evidence shows in the paradigm that they want so the transcendency is there they haven't declared the glory of God there it is but amen this heart to to find your the reverence that you need. Here, here it is right here. In fact, I would submit to you that science is a sham anyway, because what's the what's the primary premise of science is that it has to be repeatable. Please show me the repeatability of what God has done and who He is. God is not repeatable. You can't find God. <coughs> in science you can find God through science he can use that to reveal himself and, and I think that as we close and as we think about this transcendence of God being surpassing all things and if we think about it as the exceeding of any usual limits that we can conceive of and if we think about it as being beyond the limits of all possible experience or knowledge it just gives us an idea of the bigness of God and his distance but not 
in space because his distance is beyond us and yet his closeness is in us. A paradox that the world does not have the ability to explain. Only God can. And so as we as we think about that, we're going to pray and then you know what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to sing the simplest song and and Robert asked me to, to, to share the story because I was at his house a couple of days ago and we were talking about singing this song, Our God is an Awesome God. And, and um, you know, it's the simplest song. You don't, you don't need the words on, the, on your sheet there. But our God is an awesome God. And so uh, almost 20 years ago uh, at Community, um, and I, 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 had, I had an experience there. God really got a hold of me. I came to Christ and Bill Barrett wrapped his arms around my shoulder and says, come on, you're going to a Bible study at my house. And they had a Bible study on a Sunday night at his house. And his youngest, Mark, little Marky Mark, I call him, was four. And I, and I went, and there's all these people there that I didn't know. And, uh, you know, I had come to Jesus like... like 12 hours ago. <laughs> and I'm at this Bible study and I'm like a deer in headlights. And little Marky Mark sits on my lap and says, what's your name? <laughs> so I told him my name. And he said, can I teach you my favorite song? And I said, sure. God, what am I going to say? <laughs> sure. And little Marky Bear sitting on my knee sings, our God is an awesome God. And he sang through it by himself with four or five families in the room. He wanted me to hear that song. It became my favorite song. So we're going to sing it tonight and, and Robert's going to lead us. And, but before you do, will you pray? You open us in prayer? Will you close us in prayer and then will you lead us in that song? <coughs> Father, we, we can hardly uh, open our mouths after what we know about you. <clears throat> we can just uh, acknowledge that God, your greatness, is unsearchable. And we don't have even the, the words sometimes to express it, but God, we worship you as the true and living God. And we thank you so much that Jesus came so we could know that we're your children by faith in Christ. Thank you for loving us and Jesus for what you've done for us. And we just, uh, we glory in, in, in God as mm -hmm. our Father. And we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.